74 Tango Whiskey, 2.6 for 3,000, uh, 140 on Yeah, I didn't realize it was actually that close to the hour either. But. That one up, but. So I did an exercise on the website earlier in the week. Planning out the rebuilding years ahead for the Flyers. And kind of trying to establish a timeline of what to expect right, moving forward. And 23-24, which would be next season, I think is going to be a complete fucking waste of time. Just an 82-game shit show, just like this year. You know, doesn't matter. Zero fucking interest. 24-25, theoretically, I think that's the year Gautier shows up. It's like more likely the year 7th overall shows up. There's hope, right? This is the year when thing, the pieces start coming together. It's probably still going to be a shitty year, right? But it, it's the, the first start of kind of seeing the seeds that you sow. Yeah, you grow and, and expand. 25-26, I think it's time to start figuring out what direction you're taking this. At that point, hopefully a lot of these guys are all in the NHL for at least a bit of time. and You have an understanding of where they are. 26-27 would be the first time to get back into the playoffs. And then 27 and beyond your glory years. Which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, 2027, 20, four to five years away is not, you know, that bad. But Jesus, tap dancing fucking Christ after 10 years of shitty hockey. Wait, another five years of competitive nature. And this is assuming everything goes right, by the way. And then Gautier and seventh overall and all these fucking picks show up and are actually something. And I end up showing up here. And I don't know. That was one of those things like, it's not that far away, but I don't want to wait anymore. Especially when we have to piss away two more full seasons of shitty hockey to make it happen. Like, I, 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 to a certain extent, I'm on board with a rebuild. And if it's done right, it can be prosperous. But man, in the short term, being a fan of this team is not going to get better anytime soon. No, it isn't. And it, and you know what? You, I'm looking at Cap Friendly right now. So the next two years, like when I look at the San Jose Sharks... And I see all these massive contracts that they've got to swallow and and kind of, you know, wait until they expire and just get rid of them. I'm I'm kind of seeing a little bit of that with the Flyers. So we've got two years of Cal Peterson at five million per. We've got two more years of Cam Atkinson five eight seven five. We've we've got three more years of Kevin Hayes at seven point one mil. Like. These are adding up, these contracts here. And I'm hoping that Danny Breer has shown some creativity with that Provorov trade that hopefully he'll be able to maneuver his way out of, you know, one of those. Without getting taken to the woodshed on any of them? Well, I mean, listen, I think that we're going to have to give up an asset to get rid of, you know, at least the Kevin Hayes one for sure. I assume Hayes is the first one to follow those three. Which I don't like at this point. I don't even know if I'd be pro trading Hayes. Like I, I, the idea of retaining half of that contract sucks. The idea of giving him an asset to get rid of him sucks. You know, I, I'm sure he's a pouty fucking bitch behind the scenes. But at the same point, like 
if there's no easy way to move this guy, I don't know if it's worth it right now. Like, I, I, I wonder if you're just better off waiting a year, hoping by whatever god you believe in that the salary cap actually rises next season and you have a bit of an easier time moving two years at 7.1 rather than getting mm-hmm. bent over for three years at 7.1. But I don't know, man. I, I don't... I would not totally hate it if they don't do anything with this guy if there's no easy route here and i highly doubt there would be no you know i don't know what the market is for some of these guys i mean one guy that comes to mind is like a scott lawton that i do think has some value he's at three mil for the next three seasons uh he's 29 years old um i think that he still would garner some interest from some teams around the league but then it's like oh well how much do you want to tear down your own team at the same time, Scott Lawton is absolutely not part of the future of this team and will not be here when when and if they're winning in the future. So there's that <laughs> as well. He's here but for leadership guy, purposes, yeah. but what the hell does that serve at this point if they're not going to be shit in the next three years? Yeah, yeah. And he's also, I mean, you know, I also have a personal thing against guys that have been here forever, and he's one of those guys, and I'm just like, I'm just sick of seeing the name here, honestly. Yeah, it doesn't uh, <laughs> help. He's been here for 11 years now. So, you know, I'm ready to move on. But I do think that there is some value with him. Um, you know, I know that I know that the rumor with him a few years ago before Fletcher signed him at the trade deadline was they were going to get a first-round pick for him at that point. I believe which so, yeah. Great. Um, is he still at that level? I mean, his contract isn't bad. It's it's a little bit of a of a chunk of money. But, um, you know, I wonder if he's another guy that teams can look to and the Flyers could extract some value out of him. I feel like Lawton has value, but I feel like if you're getting max value him, that would be like a trade deadline kind of move. And just hope some team really is looking for a good solid depth center and, and you can snag him. I like. I don't think he's invaluable at all. I think as far as trade chips go, he's probably pretty high on this team of the players that are left. Um, but I don't know what his value is during the off season. I feel like teams would value him significantly higher at a trade deadline. But granted, he's got the term left, so I don't know if that really works either. So I don't know. But in terms of assets, I mean, see, I don't know if he's getting moved or not. I assume Tortorella loves this guy, right? Like, he's probably on, not on the subtraction list that uh, Torts loves to reiterate so much. But in terms of value, I mean, I'd assume that of the remaining players, he's probably fairly high, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's no captain of the team. You know, I mean, I think it looks like Cap Friendly has an A on Scott Lawton. I don't remember if that Lawton was the only one who wore an A this year. Yeah. So, you know, for all intents and purposes, John Tortorella is still the captain of this ship uh, for this team. For the foreseeable future. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, nobody stepped up. And he had a quote last year, which was something to the effect of, um, you know, the players here don't know how to hold each other accountable. So I will do that until they learn how to. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I don't think anybody has learned how to yet through the first year. So he's going to continue to do that into the second year, you know, and given that, given the landscape there, I don't know how you can hold on to a guy like Scott Lott and say, Oh, well, he's indispensable for the room and we need him for the culture. It's like, no, you don't. He had all last year to step up and, you know, granted he got the a, but he's only here for another three seasons. Um, if they don't feel comfortable is, enough giving him the C. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, how invaluable can he actually be here? I mean, come on. That's a good point. So, you know, 
I also think that Ivan Provorov was a guy that Tortorella liked a lot as well, at least at least what we understand publicly. That is true. Mm. And the Flyers pulled the trigger on him as their very first move. So maybe, you know, a guy like Jones and Briere are going to be like, all right, John, well, I don't give a shit if you like this guy <laughs> or not. We're, we're shopping for the groceries here. You're not. You were the odd man out of this menage a trois, so yeah. your opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> We're cheating on you, John. Sloppy got, seconds. We, yeah. we, we got we got Rob Blake and Yarmo Kekalainen in the fatal three-way, <laughs> the threesome for Danny Briere. Oh God. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. I mean, at some point, John Tortorella can like Ivan Provorov all he wants and think that he's indispensable, and he probably does. But when it gets to be a trade package like the one that Danny Briere got, it becomes, uh, you know. Sorry, but it has to happen. It's like, you know, you might not want to sell your house, but if somebody gives you, you know, over asking by a significant margin, then, yeah, you love the house, but you don't love it that much. But we so, have to I talk mean, about house hunting right now. I'm still having yeah, fucking problems. I, I know. <laughs> so <sorry>. subject. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, so you know, I would add Lawton to that list, and yeah, the Kevin Hayes thing is still a mystery to me. I don't, I don't think that this front office so far they you know they seem to have their shit together. I don't think they're just going to trade the guy just to get him off the team and and make him happy. They, right, like they're not going to be like, oh, we're going to give away a second round pick in order to get rid of Hayes. Like they're not doing that. I think I think if they can get rid of him for you know for for some some package that makes sense in terms of they you know they might retain some salary but maybe not too much and they're not going to add additional assets to that but then it's like well what other team is going to play ball with that because because the contract is so fucking pure I never I can never think of a team that like would want Hayes to begin with yeah. Like yeah, exactly. it was always like, oh, the Blue Jackets. I'm like, what the fuck would the Blue Jackets want with Kevin Hayes? You know, I, I think maybe a team like Carolina or Colorado that could use, you know, uh, some help down the middle. And if you're attaining half of his contract, you know, three and a half, half or whatever that boils down to three point six. It's not that bad of a number or four. Whatever. I don't know. You could figure it out, I suppose. But I don't know. I, I just cannot imagine this guy's got a huge trade value and. I don't know. I just don't think moving Hayes makes uh, the most sense. I feel like D'Angelo's the one that's going to go now. I think D'Angelo's as good as gone, especially now that Walker's here. Because, I mean, otherwise you just completely boxed out Ronnie Adderd, which I would hope they're not doing. Um, so, I think you can. I, I think there's a market for D'Angelo. I know a lot of people are like, ah, oh, he's not going to be worth anything. I don't think that's true. I think that you should be able to have no problem moving D'Angelo. Even though you have to trade a million dollars at this point, who the hell gives a shit? But mm-hmm. you should be able to get him off this team for an asset or two. Just the one year left is... One fine. year left That's, at $5 million. Yeah. He's a right shot guy. He's going to produce points in the power play. You know, considering the right-handed defense market is fucking shit this summer in free agency. Mm-hmm. You know, he should be valuable to some team out there. So mm-hmm. I think they can move him. What do you think his value might be? Like uh like a third round pick, third round pick, that range. Yeah, that's what I would settle for. I mean, it's yeah. a you. Breer can't lose that trade. You blame it on Chuck Fletcher's incompetence that he overpaid for the fucking guy, and you move on. You know, mm-hmm. it's a move that where you can get a third round pick back, which is not overly enticing. But just go, hey, what the hell were we supposed to do? The previous guy fucked me. So I don't mm-hmm. know. I'd do it. I would totally do it too. This it, it, trust me, that's a trade that is. Uh, listen, my predecessor did that shit. Yeah. 
this guy's gone. Like, if you get a third or a fourth round pick, people are going to bitch and say, oh, we gave up this and this. It doesn't matter. You're better served having him off your roster and you get something. And then, you know what? You're replacing him with, you know, a Zamula or an Adder. Probably Adder. Some, yeah, somebody that's going to be making, you know, less than a million dollars. Yes. And you're giving valuable reps at the NHL level. Exactly. Yes. That's exactly what you want to do. So you're mm-hmm. actually better served. You know what? Here, give me a fourth round pick. In the long run, this is actually the best thing for yeah. us. Shedding yeah, it's more about Ronnie Adder than the pick. $4 right. million dollars in saving, and Adder gets a full-time roster spot. And he's going to be just as good, if not significantly better, than D'Angelo in more or less the same role for significantly cheaper. I mean, it's, you can't lose that deal. And, and looking at the Flyers cap-friendly, we've got Travis Sandheim and Rasmus Ristolainen are the only two defensemen signed after next year. Great. So, D'Angelo, <laughs> D'Angelo, UFA, Sean Walker, UFA, Nick Sealer. Is Sean Walker UFA. related to Matt Walker by any chance? I, I don't know. Or Walker, Texas Ranger. Anybody remember Matt Walker? Walker? Am I the only one who remembers fucking Matt Walker? Was yeah, I Simone Gagne train. Yeah. Oh, or JJ Walker, <laughs> any Walker I'd take it at this point. <laughs> but literally, yeah, Cam York will be the other one when he signs his new deal. So yeah. there's a lot of spots, you know, for uh, you know a dress rehearsal for Zamula and Adderd and and you know other players. I just forgot the Swedish uh, kid's name. Uh, left defenseman Swede. Andre. Emil Andre. Emil Andre. There's room for these players to make an impact and show that, hey, we're going to be on the big-time roster after this coming season. But this coming season is a pretty big waste of time, like in terms of the the actual NHL roster. Mm -hmm. And the only silver lining to this is you get through this year, you get another good draft pick, and I know, yay, we're going to get excited about a draft pick here. But there's one less year on term in Kevin Hayes' contract. There's one yes less year for uh, Cam Atkinson, and that would make a buyout more palatable. Plus the cap goes up, so you may be able to move them if they play well. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So this could actually work out to the Flyers' benefit where you can now really be aggressive and start to get rid of some of these mm-hmm. contracts via buyout or, or whatever. Plus the cap goes up. So it won't hurt you all that much. Yeah. And I think that they are thinking this way. Like, thank God we finally have a freaking front office <laughs> that I do think is having these conversations, which never happened before. But we know based upon what Briere said about we're in a rebuild. That's why we traded Provorov. That then opens the door for this style of thinking and these conversations to happen. And I think you're right is that they say, look, if we can't get him off this roster now, and by God, they want to get him off. I'm sure of it at this point, um, we can play our cards right here and potentially strike while the iron is hot at a later date. And we don't give a shit what Hayes wants anymore. He's going to be with this team and play for a shit roster. He took the poison pill by signing a ludicrous contract <laughs> years ago that everybody knew was ridiculous. And now he's got to suffer. He's getting bit, he's getting paid out the ass, but he has to play for an atrocious rebuilding team. So, yep, that's what you wanted, Hazy. So that's what you get. <laughs> yeah, we were, yeah, we went through the lines on uh flyers ad last week you know pretty much what everything could look like in-house next year and like there was not a single line 
or duo or trio or whatever that was like, oh, I can't wait to see that. No, <laughs> you know? no, no, no. It's like, oh, Joel Faraby, Morgan Frost, and Owen Tippett on the top line. Oh, boy. You know, it's just like, fuck. As a fan, next year is going to fucking be miserable. Maybe even worse than this year. Ugh. Just nothing Maybe. to nothing to inspire. So what do you yet. guys think? So you know, talking about trying to get guys off this roster, this is energizing me now. <laughs> um, so I gotta think that one of the things that Keith Jones said when he came in here was, "What the fuck are you doing with Travis Sanheim on this extension? This is ridiculous. Why is there an extension in the first place? And why does a no trade provision actually kick in in year one?" And Danny was part of that team that signed. Him. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of guys still here that were part of that team that signed him. Yep. But, you know, at this point, maybe, you know, they have their come to Jesus moment. And they say, I've sinned. Forgive me, Keith. <laughs> I, I was wrong. And now we're going to get rid of Travis Sandheim. So <laughs> assuming that there is some momentum behind the scenes here led by Keith Jones, and everybody's on board with that. Is there any way, any way whatsoever, that they can make a trade for Travis Sanheim and get him off the roster before the new league year starts? No. Damn it. The problem, like, I don't think he's immovable, but I think you're taking on a shit contract in return. You know, somebody like Colton Pareko, who's on a, you know, a long-term, not quite as long-term, but a longer-term. Yeah, exactly. It's taking a deal like that, or you're taking a swing on a rehab project like Mackenzie Weger, who's on an identical contract as Travis Sanheim. You know, but he's a right-handed defenseman. So, you know, fits your scheme a little better long-term. Like, I think that's the only way. Like, I I don't think you're dealing this guy from a net positive. Nobody has taken on that fucking contract with how shitty this guy plays, you know, anymore. (sighs) I feel like I wouldn't hate trading him for Pareko, in all honesty. I, I, at this point in time, like, if the fucking next few years are lost anyway, who gives a shit, right? Like, I feel like you and get out of that... new trade clause that's in there, too. That's going to be such a problem. Even if you say, like, oh, we're just going to wait a few years. Well, the NTC is kicking in, and I don't know what the list is, but you're highly restricted with those in terms of who you can do business with. Does cap-friendly list with the conditions? I don't know. Let's see. Year one to four is a yeah. full no trade. Year five to eight is a twelve trade no trade list. I mean, that's, so what you is can't the do shit? Yeah, what is the? Hmm. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> what is the new just, league year? July first. Is that when uh, the calendar probably, flips? Yeah, with free agency, right? Somewhere hmm. around there. Uh, well. It's um, it's after the draft, right? The draft is the 28th and 29th, and free agency is listed as July 1st right now. I, I believe which that's when the two no trades days after the draft, in. which is July wild. 1st should be when the no trade clauses kick in. Okay, so, so that you would be dealing with the draft. Right? You still have carte blanche to move him. See, that's the th- yeah. I mean, see, that's the thing that gets me is it's obviously you know the player has limited value, but it's the no trade clause that is just going to murder the flyers. Like they're not in a position to deal with something like that during this rebuilding process. I mean, it is a huge problem. Pareko has seven years left at 6.5. For all intents and purposes, Travis Sanheim is immovable. The, the, the only thing to keep in mind is 
I mean, listen, we're always painted as the negative ones. We've been pretty positive about this, you know, Ivan Provorov trade and, and Danny's first moves here. I have seen people on Twitter uh, complaining today about why didn't they do these things last year? Why didn't they do this last? And listen, of course. we we were in, on that we were on that train too. We wanted them to do these things last year. We wanted them to trade Sanheim last year. What would it have gotten us? First of all, it would have gotten all the super analytic people upset if you traded Travis Sanheim because he's a superior defenseman in every way. Oh, and all these shit. But we'll talk about analytics a little later. But continue. <laughs> you probably would have gotten around the 22nd overall pick mm-hmm. that you would, cause you would have traded him to a contender, a team that was looking for that big boost, you know, for the playoffs on the defensive side. And you probably would have gone somewhere around the 22nd overall pick, which is what we ended up getting for Ivan Provorov. The difference being though, is you wouldn't have had him for eight more years with the no trade. I can't believe they resigned this guy in the That's first place. That's the problem. He should have been the guy that was traded. And then if they wanted wanted to completely blow it up and trade Ivan Provorov this year, then whatever. It is what it is. There was no reason to re-sign him at the beginning of last season. Zero. Absolutely zero. You should have moved him at the deadline. And if you're fucking against all fucking better judgment, you wanted to re-sign him, he could have at least waited till now, till the offseason and reassess. Why the fuck? Fuck, did you have to sign this guy last fucking fall? I bet if they would have waited until, like, December, John Tortorella would have said no. Get this fucker off my team. Yeah, yeah. yeah he would have been yeah. like, he would have been like, no, you're not resigning him. I'm telling the public we're rebuilding. This is fucking ridiculous. Yep. We need to get him off the team. Or if you are going to resign him, then it has to have stipulations where we can get out of it. You know, all those you know things associated with it. We're not going to lock yourself in and fuck yourself. But they had to do it before the season started. And at that point, John Tortorella wasn't fully invested. It was yet. opening he night did... they re-signed him. Yeah. He mm-hmm. didn't even get a full fucking game in yet before they made yeah. that call. So God. I don't think Torts was as involved in, in the management decisions at that point. He was still, you know, evaluating the team. Of course, you know, he hadn't been here at all. So you can't, he's not going to march in without even having one game coached. Um, but if they just would have waited a few months, I think, we would not be stuck in this in this dilemma right now. Yeah, it's so infuriating. Travis Sanheim is the proof positive for me that all of the stuff about the advisors, the senior advisors, Bobby Clark and Dean Lombardi and Bill Barber and Holmgren and all that calling the shots is complete bullshit. Or overblown, certainly. You cannot tell me that Bobby Clark and Bill Barber and Homer are no. sitting up up in that box and they're watching Travis Sanheim get ragdolled by five foot fucking nine Nathan Gerby. And they sit there and they go, you know what? This is a guy we need to sign for the next eight years. Chuck, get on it. Sign this guy. He's awesome. Dude, they're they're laughing. I guarantee you, because these are older guys and they rely on the eye test. They don't believe on the analytics shit. They're looking at Travis Sanham and they're going like, wow, really? This guy just let a guy walk out of the corner uncontested. <laughs> this guy, this guy just blew a coverage right in front of the crease. This guy isn't going to the defense of our goaltender. This guy isn't standing up for a teammate. Let's sign him for eight years. 
I'm sorry, I do not see that happening. That's why I think that that's it might have played a role, but I think it's been overblown mm -hmm. how much of a role it's played. That was totally Chuck Fletcher. I'm convinced mm -hmm. Chuck Fletcher ate paint chips when he was a child. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Convinced. Ugh. He went to Harvard, Manny. He still ate paint chips <laughs> <laughs> with lead. Yeah, yeah. free lead banning in mm -hmm. the in the paint. So there's nothing they can do over God. I mean, it it would be unprecedented to trade a guy like that at this point in time, given the team just resigned him in the same league year for, you know, yeah, I don't uh, think that happens very often. Uh. Doesn't happen very often <laughs> because then it gets, because what this ultimately does is, and this is going to happen in two situations here is Keith Jones and Danny Brie are going to have to go to Travis Sanheim at some point over the next couple of years. And a guy like Sean Couturier who has the NMC and say, look, our team is, you know, obviously in this current state here, we're asking for your permission to waive the no trade clause, to waive the NMC, and we're going to try to move you to, you know, some other team where you're going to have a chance to win while you're still, you know, in your prime and playing these types of minutes, you know, some conversation like that, which um, is very difficult to have. And you obviously need the player to agree to it. So you can't work unilaterally outside of agreements with the player and the agent, which is a problem. So those conversations are going to happen. I mean, if they don't, then we're seeing those two guys with this team through the entire rebuild and into like the next generation of God knows who's on this team simply because of those provisions in those contracts. And I just can't imagine a competent front office is going to sit idly by with two of them, not just one, but with two of them and go through this whole bullshit for almost the better part of the next decade. So if they don't get rid of him now, and obviously it's almost impossible to do, it's going to be almost equally impossible to have to do it later. Yeah. If they don't move him now, I mean, they're stuck with him for at least three or four more years. Which fuck Travis Sanheim for four more years when you're supposed to be oh, rebuilding. Oh, they're stuck with him. Uh, yeah. He's going nowhere. Yeah. Let a boy dream, Manny, goddammit. Yeah. I mean, what would you just <laughs> hypothetically, let's say you were like like I am gonna get rid of this guy no matter what, I don't care what it takes. What would you have to do? You'd have to, you know, throw in extras here, <laughs> first round picks, other players, you know, take on the most ludicrous salaries. Like, how could you package that ball of wax here? Just fucking a seventh round pick in 2047 and I'll give you a fucking <laughs> BJ out in the parking lot. Like, <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. it. Like, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> Anybody that wants him can have him. There's no reason to try and negotiate a trade here. Just take this fucking guy off your hands. Pull a Shane Goss's bear and just throw him in fucking Arizona and move on with your life like i don't know I, uh, god i hate travis sanheim yeah. fucking hate uh, travis sanheim i'm glad you mentioned shane goss's bear because everyone still mentions about that goss's bear trade and you traded an asset to get rid of him and he's a really good player he's not that good but anyways did you see what the la kings did today they traded a first round pick in a very good draft to get rid of cal peterson and sean walker to free up cap space this is what teams do it is the cost of doing yeah. business it's true it is 
and people don't want to admit it. They want to look at it strictly from an asset management paradigm. And that's not how you look at it. It is a salary cap league. It is a hard cap. And when the cap doesn't go up, cap space is valuable. And because it's valuable, it could be weaponized. And when it's weaponized, you can get assets and it's going to cost you assets in order to meet that salary cap obligation. That's what people didn't understand when the gospel spirit thing went down. Oh, we gave up a second round pick and we gave up. Yes, because that's the that's the only way you were going to get rid of that contract. The problem with the gospel spirit thing, the incident is the Flyers squandered the cap space. That yeah, they, they fucked up. They were going to use it for. But yep. Right. The, the gospel trade it itself was not ill-advised. It was just what had to happen. The yeah. guy didn't want to be here anyway. And his play sucked. What else were you going to do? You had to fucking get rid of him somehow. And fellas panned out, this would probably be a different story right now. But nope, that fucking guy. Mm-hmm. Ryan Ellis. Fuck. An asshole on LTIR. <laughs> oh, I do you wonder... I thought about this the other day with Ryan Ellis, and I was always of the belief that the Flyers did not know that Ryan Ellis it was basically done, and I, I still kind of wonder about that, but I was thinking about this with the Lemieux trade, how Chuck Fletcher's like, sure, fucking give me the guy. Yeah. Like, I wonder well, if take it. Yeah. They, like, they knew more about Ellis than they let on, but they're just like... Well, we'll just do it. We'll just give me Ryan Ellis, and we'll you know we'll take on the risk and figure that kind of thing out. Like, I wonder if they knew more about that than we originally thought. I don't know what made me think about that the other day, but I had it written in my notes here, and it's possible. Um, I still don't give them enough credit, even to do that, <laughs> because that would suggest that they saw the risk, recognized it, and took it on which I don't think they were that sophisticated. I think they're just too dumb. Too, yeah, I think they too dumb to even realize, you know, the they just place. said, Oh, there are some injuries here. You know, Hey, give me, give me a one page summary on the medicals. Okay. You know, run it by Barry Hanrahan. Or something. <laughs> oh, Oh, he said, it's all right. You know, he does contracts, but he looked at, it, he said, it's fine. Okay. Yeah. We'll take him. Like that's the level of dysfunction and lack of scrutiny and, lack of understanding that I think happened with Chuck Fletcher's front office, which again, a lot of the same guys were there, but I guess it's, I guess plausible Dan, but yeah, I mean, that would suggest that they saw the risks, they recognized and accepted it. And I don't think that's in Fletcher's blood. Hmm. It is interesting going back and, and looking at that. The Ellis trade was impactful because it surprised everyone. That entire offseason, all of Flyers Twitter was talking about Matias Ekholm. Mm-hmm. Matias Ekholm, Matias Ekholm in orange and black. That's going to be the guy. That's going to be the guy. And if you really think about it, Matias Ekholm, if he was in that trade instead of Ryan Ellis, would we be here today talking about an Ivan Provorov trade? Probably not. Probably would not. He, yeah. would he if be, they just paid Dougie Hamilton in free agency, we wouldn't be here either. <laughs> right. If they would have made those smart decisions when when you know it when things presented themselves. Like watching I was I was cheering for the Oilers in this year's playoffs. And watching the Oilers, Matthias Ekholm was by far their best defenseman for me. Well, him and Bouchard. Nurse, 
I'm sitting there like, damn, this guy's talking about shitty nine, contracts. Jesus, nine and a half million dollars. Like nowhere near good enough. Yeah, what you're getting is not good value for <laughs> for Darnell Nurse. And I like the player, but he ain't a nine and a half million dollar player. I'm sorry, he just isn't. Yeah, that's an anchor for them. And then and then I've heard like interviews with Ekholm on Thirty Two Thoughts, and the wife was there, and she's like, I love Edmonton. She's like, it was weird being in Nashville. It doesn't snow there. I'm from northern, you know, Sweden. I'm like close to like the Arctic Circle is where she's from. She's like, <laughs> I'm used to snow. I like Edmonton. Edmonton's great. And Ekholm was like, oh, my wife loves it here. Like, this is great. And it's like, All right. you, know, you know he's a good dude when he goes like, I love Edmonton. Edmonton's an awesome place. <laughs> <laughs> like I was sitting there. I'm like, if that guy would have been in this trade, Instead of Ryan Ellis, how different would this team be? It, it is interesting to think about because Provorov might have had a good partner there with Edcom. He really would have. If they acquired Sam Reinhart in the Ristolainen trade, he would have had a center all these years. That would have been very good, and they didn't do it. If they just nutted up and got Jack Eichel, would have had a top center, and they didn't do it. I, uh, <laughs> Dylan Strom last summer. Fuck, that one still annoys the shit out of me. Dylan Strom bought out of Chicago. You could have got this guy on the cheap. A center, top center, by the way, played the entire season with fucking Alex Ovechkin. Could have had him. You could have had fucking Reinhardt and Strom on this team as your fucking center depth. But no, we didn't need any of that. Yeah. <sighs> Fuck. Start no. playing this game. I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. <laughs> no, I mean, they've made, you know, I mean, it's a it's a laundry list of just extreme missteps. Dougie at, Hamilton. At every turn. <sighs> you don't get where the Flyers are at unless, like, it's almost like a calculated level of, <laughs> of, of horrendous <laughs> mistakes year after year after year after year. I mean, it takes serious effort to dig the hole this deep. Johnny Gaudreau, Alex DeBrincat, now twice. Well, soon to be twice, I guess. Fuck. <sighs> that That's why I kind of feel like Fletcher encouraged this whole, oh, it's the advisors. It's the senior advisors. Push the blame on someone else to hide his own yeah. incompetence. Yeah, it's, it's these four old guys that just hang around. They tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Like, he did nothing. He did nothing to squash those rumors. Guys, I'm in charge. I get this thing like the Travis Sanheim extension. It's like Chuck Fletcher was sitting on the toilet taking a shit and he's just scrolling through Twitter and he sees all of the analytics charts and all of this. Oh, Travis Sanheim's amazing. God he's damn. Five, he's good. Five V five person. Oh, awesome. Let's sign him right now. Meanwhile, he's mid dump. Like, like that's what I mean. He's like, he reminds me of that. Like that's yeah. the kind of guy. Like, he's obsessed with the old the apps on the phone. Yeah, his dating app I to have. fucking make trades. Yeah, I, like I really think that that Chuck Fletcher and to a lesser extent Ron Hextall, but you could probably group him in, in what I'm about to say too. They have some defect in their personality, in in their manners, in the way that they operate as an executive. They never got the gene. That is, okay, how do I negotiate? How do I make a deal? How do I get involved and do a business transaction with another team with a trade? Because, like, 
all this Fletcher stuff when it comes, you know, he's like, oh, I made 17 calls. I checked my call <laughs> log and you can yeah. see that uh, somebody gave me an app, you know, to understand the trade value. He went through his conversation with Rob Blake, which, you know, you alluded to earlier, Dan. We've mentioned a couple times over the past few months with Brendan Lemieux and that Rob Blake wasn't able to get rid of Brendan Lemieux because he had to make the cap space for um, uh, for what's his face trade to happen. Um, uh, Zach McEwen. So, and Fletcher said, oh, we'll just take him for you, but you don't get any other compensation there. It's like, there's all these examples of this guy just being not, he just lacks that level that an executive needs to have as a GM to facilitate and make business transactions with other people. And I don't know what it is, but he never learned how to do it. He can't do it effectively because he gave all these signs showing that he's incapable of it. So like you can't recover from that. And the fact that he got as far as he did while still having that defect is baffling to me. It just goes to show that, look, if your dad's Cliff Fletcher, you know, and you have, you know, some level of experience with front offices, you can do whatever you want uh, and make millions of dollars doing it. Yep. Um, and that's part of the reason why we're at where we're at. Hextall had a similar trait. I just think Hextall was an asshole, but um, he had a similar trait where he couldn't negotiate properly, couldn't think creatively, couldn't make a business deal. Um, and you can't have people. And, you know, these are Dave Scott people. Um, you can't have people doing that. And now we're paying the price for it badly. Yeah, I mean, that that was the other thing about this Provorov trade that excited me is that the Flyers were doing something that they haven't been doing for the last decade they're they're taking not only a risk but it's a calculated risk where they say you know what the assets that we're getting in return here the net positive that we're getting here outweighs any of the negatives of keeping ivan provrov around so we're making this trade we're making this happen it's it's like in the soviet union Joseph Stalin was a dictator, a malicious dictator for decades. And then after he died in 1953, the people were so terrorized by him and so afraid that they didn't even believe he was dead. And then for years, there was a period called de-Stalinization. It's almost like the Flyers are going through de-Hextalization. (laughs) <laughs> where we have to get rid of all these bad habits of no we can't trade this guy no we can't do this no we can't do this no we, we we're, we're doing this exact same thing and we're going to run it back year after year after year and it's never go time and we're never going to sign big name free agents and we're never going to get involved in things we're going to trade down so that we can get german and rupsov whoa whoa really took a swing for the fences there we're gonna we're gonna go sign JVR. Fuck, that was the, I think he was the second highest most prized free agent that uh, that off season. But again, it was never go time. It was never time to you know go to phase two of the plan. And we talked on this show about you know John Tortorella said the Flyers we're in, we're in the opening salvo here. It's phase one. This is the opening stages. But it's a rebuild, and they're taking steps to do the rebuild and i appreciate that there is so much you know as somebody who still looks at all the trades all the free agent signings all the 
moves that this organization can make both for the better and for the worse you know getting all this fan feedback from all this shit that i write like the the hextall mannerisms the, the the propaganda the bullshit that this guy spewed like it is still so ingrained in so much of this fan base like uh, they're they're terrified of making moves yep. and, uh, buying or selling and you can't do it and all this talk about cap space and clearing cap and it's just like fuck i i don't i don't i don't like that theory i think the idea like you don't win championships by hoarding cap space the Ducks had $30 million in cap space this year. What the fuck could it do for them? You win championships by paying good players for your team. You know, people say, well, you can't make moves, and they pointed to JVR and Hayes. Listen, JVR and Hayes were not top free agents. They were just the big fish in their very respective small ponds. You know, it's just shit luck to go after them in their respective years versus they were the top guys that backfired and can't spend money. You know, I just think that smart utilizations of this and finding guys that are in your age range and looking for it. I'm still on the fucking Debrincat train, you know, because I think he makes sense. He's the age of what you're trying to produce here with the rest of this team. I have no problem paying Debrincat if he's going to play good for you, but I don't know. I, I, I just, there's so much Hextall ideology still ingrained in this. It's just, just it's all backwards. It's all fucking wrong. Why uh, fucking stupid organization? That was the problem with this whole renewed rebuilding effort, especially when it came from Briere as a former flyer. It's just everything felt like it was 2014 again. Like the last 10 years didn't fucking happen, you know. And luckily, it seems like Briere and Co are about to be more proactive than Hextall ever was, which is great. But you know, so much of that messaging, I think, still still haunts the fan base, and they kind of reverted back to that 2014 era because it was comfortable, right? It was the last time that there was an ounce of comfort. The sh- you know, the end of the the Holmgren era was shit. When you call up, you know, Hextall to BGM and preaching messages of hope and and patience, despite the fact that his failures are the reason this team sucks as bad as they do today. You know, they they never got to build off that momentum. So hopefully this time around, Breyer can, you know, put his own stamp on this team. And it's not another case of Ron Hextall. But yeah, the, the messaging that Hextall produced is still a big reason why everything's the biggest fucking shit show it is today within this fan base.